Atomic! Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of Atomic Chart. Yes, you read and heard that correctly. This is a new show that is not a tribute to Atomic Shot, although it kind of is, but it's pretty much Atomic Shot except all bad movies. Like, we've done a few bad movies for Atomic Shot before, but uh, nothing like this. So, uh, joining me for this uh, 12 uh, video endeavor is going to be uh, Char Shot co-host Justin. How are you doing there, buddy? Oh, jeez, is this... Are there 12? I didn't actually count. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I counted 12, uh, counting the... What? The... Why Why did we want to do this? I don't know, man. I guess it's just something that we had to get out of the way. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, for uh, this little uh, mini-series that we got cooked up, we're going to be uh, reviewing a whole bunch of mockumentaries. Or not mockumentaries. Uh, Mockbusters. Uh, Mockbusters, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, made by the... Uh, movie production company known as The Asylum, who you may know for such classics such as uh, Cargo, uh, Izzy's Way Home, among other things. Uh, you may know one or two of them, like uh, all five Sharknado movies. Bit of a good filmography there, but the first movie that we're going to be looking at today is going to be called... Uh, what was the movie called again? <laughs> King of the Lost World. King of the Lost World, which may or may not sound similar to Jurassic Park Lost World, and it may or may not be based on that movie, but uh, based on the, the year that this movie came out, I assume it has more to do with uh, J Peter Jackson's King Kong, which came out at around the same time. So, yeah, this one seems like fairly uh, standalone. Like a lot of them... I found like a Wikipedia page that basically had each of the movie titles and then like what they were, you know, kind of mocking. Um, and this one didn't have a movie attributed to it, but the idea is kind of mixing like Jurassic Park with King Kong, even though there's no dinosaurs in it. But, you know, that that's beside the point. Well, I mean, do, do <laughs> dragons count? Because no. they're kind of dinosaurs, I guess. How dare you? But that, 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 that's skipping ahead. Uh, we're kind of, kind of jumping the gun a bit. So this is uh, King of the Lost World, uh, released in 2005, uh, directed by Leigh Scott, uh, with a runtime of an hour and 30 minutes, which is a bit too long for my taste. And it felt like it. Starring Bruce Boxlitner, a.k.a. Goddamn Tron, as Lieutenant <sighs> Challenger, Jeff Denton, Rhett Giles, Sarah Laving, Christina Rosenberg, Steve Railsback, Chris Agnan, Amanda Ward, Bonnie Yangazawa, Andrew Lahr, Thomas Downey, Amanda Barton, James Ferris, Jennifer Lee, and Angela Horoff, uh, with music by Ralph Reicherman, with a budget of $1 million. So, uh, yeah, this is definitely a movie. <laughs> <laughs> So, and I will say, if you don't know who any of these people are or, you know, the production team or anything, doesn't matter. The first five minutes of the movie is still going to tell you who every single person is. <laughs> yeah, and you still won't give a shit who any of these characters are uh, from, uh, to the very end. Um, nope. Aside from um, Lieutenant Challenger, who we've already established is the biggest star in this movie. So... Yeah, let's just jump right into this one. Uh, the film starts with fairly decent shots of an uh, unmarked uh, tropical island, and it immediately cuts to a plane crash where uh, 
every single character that we'll be uh, looking at for the duration of this film just kind of scatter around confused trying to figure out what the hell they're supposed to be doing just walking in and out of scene yeah just uh, walking in and out of scene yelling gloria <laughs> yep yelling gloria trying to figure out where the hell their wife is and uh yeah they're bickering amongst themselves and they eventually decide to split off into two groups uh one to find the radio to contact for help uh on the other half of uh, the plane that they're in while the other half stays behind, pretty much just dare to die because the engine is pretty heated and uh, it's in danger of exploding. And yeah, they pretty much established that. So all the other characters that stay behind are completely worthless. So yeah, the whole group uh, goes to find the plane, right? Find their plane, which I don't, I didn't, I get. It was the cockpit of their plane, I guess, because they were at their plane. Yeah, they were at their plane, but the part that they're looking for is like the. The part that has the radio shit in it. Yeah. Because apparently uh, the backside of it didn't have anything like that. So, yeah. Which well, is like they kept getting excited when they saw planes and they're like, that's not our plane. But like it was entire planes they were finding. So clearly it wasn't theirs. It wasn't just a cockpit. So, yeah, this is pretty much a plane graveyard. And they don't really explain um, why all, all these fucking planes are all over the place in this island. They kind of do, but they also don't. But I'll, I'll get into that when we uh, talk about the ending. I would assume each of them had snakes on them, and so Sam Jackson crashed them. <laughs> on the filmography for the asylum, wasn't there uh, snakes on a train? Yes, there was. <laughs> oh my god. Good thing we're not doing that one, right? Yeah. I th- honestly thought about doing, like, an every asylum movie thing, or at least, like, all oh, of the... Oh, no. Because uh, they have some that are, like, just straight-up comedies or, like, animated movies or whatever. None of those. It would just be, like, the weird sci-fi ones. But that was... <laughs> they are too prolific for that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there aren't enough giant monsters in those movies anyway. So, right. speaking of giant monsters, they go to find the cockpit, and then they get attacked by giant fake spiders, which we'll probably talk about later. Ugh. And, uh, yeah, they get attacked by every single thing under the sun. Uh and there's a point where um, one of the passengers, uh, the, the the camera lady, uh, pretty much uh, gets a deep cut. And um, their solution is just stuff fucking worms into the wound. Like, I don't understand the uh, medical procedure behind that, but apparently it kind of works, I guess. It's still weird, I mean, but... She lives. Like, just, it, it worked, apparently. My favorite thing, I was, I was basically, like, taking notes, like, kind of a... Uh, like what my comments would be if this was a watch, was a watch along. So like there's no time codes or anything, but I can pretty much like figure out where they all land. And one of them was, um, dang, they're talking about a maggot tourniquet. Suddenly this movie is educational. I dig it <laughs> because like they just basically said like they, they specifically said the words maggot tourniquet. And then they just like found some dirt with maggots in it and just like kind of smooshed it in there. And then like, suddenly everyone was a doctor and it was explaining the process of how this like helps an infection. And I was, it was the only time where I was like, that actually sounds legit. Like I, maybe they did their research. I don't know. <laughs> For this one part of this uh, whole shock film. Right. But uh, yeah, uh, they get attacked by uh, giant spiders, uh, a bunch of uh, living vines, and uh, they eventually uh, get into a cave where uh, they get attacked by giant scorpions, where uh, the leader just, gets promptly penetrated. I'm pretty sure you had a comment on that as well. Well, I mean, it was like right after they established, it's like, you are a leader. We need to trust you. And then he gets killed. It's like, oh, 
Wait, he was the leader? I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah. But no, I I did want to say that those giant scorpions, who boy. Um we'll talk like uh, more about all of the effects and stuff, but these guys specifically had like 3 frames of animation did not like mesh with the scene at all and literally looked like they were just floating aimlessly in the middle of this of the air like not attached to anything because they were ba- like they were circling around like this you know circular cave opening um but yeah and there's even a point where uh lieutenant challenger shoots one of them and it just fucking flies out of frame yeah like it doesn't even match the impact of the bullet or anything if there even was right. a bullet they, they have like one scorpion model that's like basically on flat ground and they use that one scorpion model in their circular cave entrance where they really should be more like angled so their legs are like you know attached to the angles of the cave entrance but nah they just they just float there it looks real bad they all float jerry but uh, yeah, um, they eventually evade the scorpions, but they run into another problem immediately where um, they're pretty much just kidnapped by uh, the local tribespeople, which, by the way, uh, has the lamest Cinco de Mayo party ever. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of kinky, ripping people's clothes off and whatever, but uh, other than that, not impressed. They had drugs, too. Yeah, of course they had drugs. Why wouldn't they? I'm just saying, it's not bad. So yeah, uh, while they were in the cave, they find um, a corpse of what they find is a dragon. Because yes, there are dragons in this movie. For some reason. And uh, apparently uh, the tribesfolk, I don't think they have a name. They kidnap the people and they pretty much uh, try to sacrifice them to uh, the dragon overlords. Because apparently that keeps the giant ape monster at bay. And yes, there is a giant ape in this movie. And you do see it near the beginning. Uh, that uh, kills the stewardess in the beginning, but... uh, The aforementioned Gloria. (laughs) Yeah, the aforementioned Gloria gets fucking yeeted by this giant ape monster, who, from this point forward, I shall refer to as Ding Dong. That's pretty good. Because it's not quite King Kong, but, you know, gotta have that royalty-free-ness going on. But, uh, yeah... They try to have the sacrifices for the dragons because the dragons keep the giant ape monster at bay. Which is kind of a moot point at the end of the movie because he ends up showing up at the sacrifice altar anyway. They manage to nuke everything and everything is all hunky-dory except at the expense of our wasted time. Well, and, I mean, they're still stranded on on an island. Yeah, they're gonna die, but not today. Right. Ugh. Like... I imagine we're going to take this more beat by beat and everything, but that ending felt so weird because it's like, for one, the the nuke range seemed like it should have killed everyone because like they were just kind of looking out at it. And then you see this huge, like, you know, stock footage explosion and then they're all fine, like right outside of the, the blow, even though that's not how explosions work. But then there's just the three, the the one guy and his apparently two girlfriends now. Um, cause he's getting real handsy with them. Oh, fuck both of you now. Yeah. And one of them's like, we're all going to die out here. And he goes, not today, which is a nice callback from earlier, I guess. But, you know, sure. They, I bet they really enjoyed that in the script. Yeah. And then the scene pans out and you just see like the whole island with like a giant explosion five feet away from them or, you know, crater from an explosion five feet away from them. And... They're all just still there. 
just kind of snuggling on each other. And then it goes to credits. Like, what what, what are they going to do? Are they just going to make a new life there? <laughs> that wasn't a happy ending. Like, they're, they're probably just... They're just going to live from uh, the fallout of the explosion and just live the rest of their days until the radiation poisoning takes them. Right. They're going to make some mutated babies. Oh, man. Fallout 5 over here. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, uh, my whole takeaway from uh, doing 35 Godzilla films all in a row is that uh, we pretty much explored the fact that uh, nukes are pretty much Satan. And that uh, humans shouldn't uh, mess with nature like that. But it's weird in this movie because it ends up saving the day. It's like, I don't know what the message here is, guys. So this is probably where we talk about the characters. But aside from Lieutenant Challenger, there really isn't much going on. Yeah. Like, you have the main guy who is pretty much like uh, the tech guy, I think, who pretty much assumes the role of leader when the actual leader dude dies. He had a master's in mechanical engineering, which we find out about, like, with 20 minutes left in the movie. Yeah, it doesn't really do shit with it, though. No. And, of course, you have a camera lady, uh, Rita, I think her name is. I actually liked her. Yeah, she's... Like, she wasn't given a lot to do, but she was kind of that strong character. Like, you know, they tried to take off her clothes, and she's, like, pushed them away and, like, almost got into a fight. And, like, the... The one guy tried to kind of hit on her and she like, you know, knocked him down or whatever. She had like, she kind of reminded me of like a knockoff Laura Croft. Yeah, she's probably uh, one of the more natural written characters in the movie, Mm -hmm. but it's really not saying much when. Yeah, uh, and her acting was kind of elevated to scenes at least a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. And um, there are also other characters too, but they're all pretty much just there to die. Mm -hmm. Like they're just set up to uh, just be fodder for uh, the island's denizens. But uh, we should probably talk about Bruce Boxlitner as Lieutenant Challenger. Like, he is the biggest name in this movie. And uh, he's probably um, the biggest driving force, I would think. Like, he's pretty much there on, like, a top-secret mission. Like, he's protecting this briefcase uh, throughout the entire film. And uh, he's the only one there with a gun. And apparently he's the only one there that also uh, had the sense to carry cigars everywhere. And he happens to know the language of the locals, and, like, he's just, he's the deus ex machina, basically. Yeah, he's the deus ex machinima of the movie. But, uh, yeah, uh, the whole reason he's there is because he was sent, uh, on a secret mission to, like, disarm a nuke that just happened to be on the island. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's the same nuke that ends up killing, um, the giant ape monster, and uh, all the fucking dragons that are flying everywhere. So, uh, yeah, he's pretty much in the dark for most of the movie. Uh, he never really explains the situation up until, like, the last half, where uh, he's the only one that has screen time. And <laughs> apparently he has a thing with one of uh, the Nib's tribesfolk and gets into a fight with another one of them. Which, by the way, that fight scene, right before they established that... Uh, Ding dong, and uh, all the dragons were gonna fight each other, but then it just cuts to like uh, this old dude and uh, this uh, tribeswoman fighting each other with sticks. And uh, as the sticks clash, they add in like punch sound effects, yeah, which I thought was kind of funny, but also like, why would you do this? Like, that's the same as putting uh, monkey noises for squirrels in deadly premonition. <laughs> 
all of the like sound mixing and stuff was a mess. Like nothing sounded right. There was obviously like ADR lines thrown in without any like background noise to make it sound like they were still in the jungle. So it would cut from like kind of, you know, atmospherics noise, like with basically audio picked up from the camera directly. And then a random, like just dead silent response. (laughs) It's really weird. It's like, oh, look, those are a bunch of spiders. Dead look. Yeah. Like no comment. Also, at one point, um, Tron, I don't remember anything else about him. At one point, Tron, like, pulled the the remote trigger out of this suitcase and, like, tucked it in his shirt. So it was this big, like, hulking box that he thought he could hide (laughs) in his shirt and no one would notice. And they cut away and cut back to him. It wasn't there anymore. Of course not. It's like the bullet holes in uh, Pulp Fiction. Uh, They were there in the uh, the beginning of the scene, but, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's it for the human characters. Uh, we should probably talk about the natural denizens of Monster Island, I think it's called? I mean, there is a Monster Island in Godzilla, but I don't know if that's, like, copyright infringement or anything, so... I mean, we'll one of our later movies is called Monster Island, so I don't oh, think... Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, there's no getting around that. So, uh... Yeah, we got uh, the giant spiders, which are the first thing to take human life. And yeah, it's the first indication of, wow, the effects in this movie, just wow. I'm, I'm not sure if these are like cardboard cutouts or really bad CGI, but whatever the case, they look pretty bad. Though it is cool that uh, they webbed up that guy and uh, immediately burned off his skin. Like, yeah. that was kind of unique, I think. Although the, the cocoon, like, just dropped weightlessly. And then they, like, kind of, like, smoosh around in it. And it's just, like, goo and bones. But so, for some reason, he still has eyeballs. Like, it could have been a different guy for all we know. Like, there's no way human skin can deteriorate that quickly. Right. All right, uh, what was next? Uh, I think it was the the vines that uh, take the angry guy. Well, technically, the monkey was first. Well, the monkey was first, but... A, a brief five-second shot of the monkey that was more motion blur than monkey and then it randomly cuts away and you don't see him again until 20 minutes until the movie's over (laughs) yeah we'll talk about ding dong uh for last yeah so yeah you do see him in the beginning but the film immediately forgets about him until like the last 10 minutes yeah and i honestly kind of forgot about him as well Mm -hmm. so yeah we got the vine which clumsily pulls up that guy and it somehow kills him. I did not know what was attacking them until they said it was a killer vine. It was just weird, shaky camera with, like, really no indication of what was happening. Yeah, I honestly couldn't tell what was happening on screen either. The screen was shaking so much. I thought I was going to have motion sickness during that entire sequence. Yeah, it was bad. So, yeah, then they find a bunch of dead dragons. Then they run into the giant fake scorpions, which, as Justin yeah. mentioned, look terrible. And still so much motion. Every time, like, a CG character moved... They just motion blurred the crap out of it because they didn't like they basically had a a static model for everything with like two frames of animation. And so when they wanted to move that thing anywhere, they had to blur the stuff in between. And it just looked so bad. It looked the worst with the monkey because he was already fuzzy. So it was like blurry, fuzzy brown thing. But the scorpions really bad, too, because there was a lot of them. And so it was and it was already dark. So it was hard to tell what they were. Yeah, in, in that sense, you can probably forgive it, I guess, because no. it's a bit harder to see. You're right, no. <laughs> they still shot it all in daytime and then just put a blue light filter on, or a, just a blue light on it. 
Can we talk about the lighting in this movie real quick? Like, because there are scenes in this movie where it's shot in the dark, and they use, like, a blue light filter. Yeah. And uh, when they're in front of fire, they just shine, like, a red light in front of them. Mm-hmm. I feel like that the most of the movie is shot in fruit by the foot vision or something. Yeah. Like, there's a weird uh, light filter going on. Like, it's funny, because we mentioned up front that this, this movie was made for, like, a million dollars. And I think basically all of that was spent on the location because like, I mean, it was a beautiful, whatever Island they were on was beautiful. That's why I think they was, that's why they did so many landscape shots, but like it only looked good during the day. They just saturated the crap out of it at like night or inside or like basically anything other than beautiful landscape shots. They just ruined the nice scenery they had. <laughs> yeah. They used the most unnatural lights as possible. Yeah. Like instead of like a, uh natural uh moonlight lighting or whatever they just use these garish las vegas uh neon filter lights mm-hmm. and it's just it's just distracting so uh yeah uh now let's talk about the dragons because near the end of the movie um uh, the main guy uh has a brand on him like the natives try so like put like a cow brand on him i think it was the mortal combat symbol they got their movies mixed up a little bit <laughs> <laughs> hey man, it's not that scorpion, okay? Yeah. But uh yeah, uh they sacrifice they try to sacrifice the dude and another guy that I completely forgot about to uh the dragons. They tie them up in the middle of this valley and you have all these weird staticky flying dragons all around just flying around them like vultures. Mm-hmm. And even though they establish that the dragons keep the giant ape monster away, it doesn't stop the ape monster from uh, coming in, ruining the sacrifice altar, letting the heroes escape. See, I took that specifically to be that, like, they were on a time clock. Like, they had to get the sacrifice by a certain time, and it kept getting delayed. And so, like, they didn't sacrifice them in time to stop the ape. But the movie doesn't explain that. That's just kind of what I assumed. Yeah. Uh, and then we see the ape proper, and uh, as Justin mentioned, looks completely shitty. Probably the worst effect in this movie, mm. bar none. And that's saying something. Because honestly, yeah. like, static, it doesn't look terrible. Like, it's very low poly. Um, I wrote at one point that uh, I regret wanting to see more of this monkey. The, the Donkey Kong Country show looked better than this. <laughs> so, like, that, the model for it is is pretty... I mean, it's 2005. You get what you get, you know? But um, it doesn't look that bad as a CG monkey model in a very low budget movie. It's just the motion blur on it. Like you can't even tell what he's doing because the whole thing just becomes one big blur. And he's so big. He takes up like 90% of the camera. So all you see is just blurs just side to side. It's the equivalent of a nine year old child, just uh, recording his uh, King Kong action figure, just flailing it around. Basically. Like you could barely see what's going on. Yeah. And then it was blurry dragons against a, a blurry giant monkey. And it was just, uh, uh, I had no idea what was going on. It was on. a nothing fight. It really was. So, uh, yeah, that was King of the Lost World. Yeah, I guess that's a primer for uh, what we're going to expect from this point forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, it set the standard for sure. Yeah, there is a standard here. All right. So um, let's go on to the ratings board. Uh, it's going to be a bit different this time since uh, this is an atomic shot. So, uh we're going to be going on the one to five scale on the shit scale. So, uh, so Justin, we'll start with you. Uh, on a scale of one to five, how shardy is King of the Lost World? So I assume like 
like five is worse in this case? Yes. Okay. I also think we should actually like rank these like number wise, like out of 12 or whatever. But as far as like just a, a one out of five or one to five, um, it was not the worst thing ever. There was some redeemable stuff in it, despite how just terribly edited and sound mixed and everything. Um, I expected bad CG, so that didn't bother me. But like some of the character stuff was actually kind of fun. Um, there were a few moments when I wasn't totally bored. It was it was mostly just harmless. So I'll give it uh, three, just middle of the road. Yeah, that's that's kind of fair. I'll give it like a three as well. Like uh, the effects are bad. I mean that's kind of a given. Uh, it's it's a mockbuster after all. Uh, some of the character stuff is kind of surprising, as you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, aside from, uh, Bill Buxer's character, uh, not a lot of the characters are really that interesting. Because, uh, they're all just there to die. Yeah. Which is normal in a movie like this. Yeah. Like, even in Kong Skull Island, which was, uh, made 12 years after this one, right. uh, some of the character deaths actually meant something, because we got to sit down and get to know the characters rather than, oh, here's this guy. Um, just get killed by the monster. It's fine. True. Uh, this is definitely going to be the primer, I guess. Uh, so that's going to be it for uh, King of the Lost World. What is what is next on the agenda? I got to look at the list again. Monster. Oh, yeah, of course. How could I forget the title of a simple title like that? That one took and a no, long time to find on IMDb because there's a ridiculous amount of movies named Monster. <laughs> Yeah, including one starring Cherise Theron, which came out at around the same time. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, next time we uh, meet up for Atomic Shark. (laughs) Still laughing at that name. (laughs) I know, it's great. The name is basically the reason we're doing this, by the way. So blame Ty. (laughs) Yeah, blame me for this incredibly stupid fucking name I came up (laughs) with on a whim yesterday. So yeah, uh, next time we meet up for Atomic Shark. Uh, we'll be reviewing Monster by uh, The Asylum. Which is basically like a Cloverfield mock bus. So, Justin, uh, go ahead and plug your stuff. Where can the fine people find you? You can find me if you look for Zero Score all over the internet. Uh, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, all that good stuff. And, of course, you can find me here on other uh, Charge Shot stuff. Nice. And you can find me on the Charge Shot stuff as well. Uh you can follow me on Twitter at Hey It's That Tie. Check out the pinned tweet below for uh, my uh, YouTube review series called Tie Your Shoes Reviews. Uh, the newest one that I've recorded so far is uh, based on Digimon Rumble Arena, so that was a fun video to make. And uh, you can also check on a ch- on Chartshot.com for all uh, for your uh, Chartshot Gamecast, uh, starring me, Justin, and Ben, who didn't want to be a part of this little project, but it's whatever. His loss. But yeah, check out chartshot.com. Also check out Atomic Shot, which is a way more comprehensive review series in comparison. But, you know, that's reviewing much better movies. But, you know, that's a given. So, uh, until next time, guys. Peace out. I can... Keep sharting. <laughs> Keep sharting. <laughs> that's good. We're going to have to use that one. Okay. <laughs>